Hump Day, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Wednesday, so this is an archive show, but it last aired two to ten years ago, so unless you're a hardcore, long-time listener, it's probably new to you. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on July 1st of 2012 under the headline, Crooked Gambler and Liquor Man was Portland's First Police Chief. Here we go. Quote, Any desperado who had the necessary abilities could always get himself elected city marshal, wrote Portland ex-gambler and saloon keeper Edward Chambro in his autobiography sometime in the 1870s. Chambro would have known. At the very time he was committing the story of his life to writing, one of his old friends from the gold rush days was sitting at a desk downtown in the city offices. An old friend and one-time business partner named James Lapius, Portland Chief of Police. James Lapius was, most sources agree, Portland's first police chief. And all sources I've found agree the position was, well, perhaps the most charitable way to put it is, ironic. For most of the time he was in office, Slappius owned a combination saloon, variety theater, and gambling house called the Orofino. This in an era when all gambling houses were crooked and a variety theater was often a front for prostitution. He was eventually canned over fairly widespread allegations that he'd offered to let a convicted murderer escape from the city jail if his family could pony up a thousand-dollar bribe. James Lapius came to the West Coast in 1848 with a detachment of U.S. soldiers to fight in the Mexican-American War and decided to stay. Luck had placed him at the epicenter of one of history's most fabulous wealth booms, the California Gold Rush. Had he staked a claim and started working the ground, there's a good chance he would have made lots of money. But instead, he went into a different business. He joined a cadre of steely-eyed characters that preferred to let others mine the gold and then take it from them afterwards in rigged games of chance or celebratory drunken benders. He became essentially a crooked goldfield gambler, in the parlance of the day, a blackleg. Chambreau, by the way, was one of these as well. Both Lapius and Chambreau were involved in the gang of San Francisco toughs known as the Hounds and both probably participated in the 1849 attack on Mexican and Chilean miners that resulted in the formation of San Francisco's first vigilante committee to run them out of town. Chambreau, according to his autobiography, actually was one of the two hounds who instigated the whole thing. The hounds ended up all over Gold Rush country and added a great deal to the lawlessness and chaos there. Chambreau tells a memorable story from this time, from when he was visiting Lapius at the saloon and gambling house that the future cop was running near Stockton. A group of Teamsters was there and a riot had just broken out. Chambreau and Lapius drove the hostile Teamsters out of the building by throwing bottles at them, and once outside, the Teamsters started shooting into the building. Quote, In an instant, we both had our six-shooters out, and you think it was not lively there for a little while? Chambreau wrote. There is a good chance the Teamsters were rioting because they just figured out they were being swindled. The fact is, all professional frontier gamblers were crooks. At that time, there was no regulation or government oversight, and honest men simply couldn't compete. 
In fact, the most popular frontier gambling game by far was Pharaoh, a game that today is simply no longer played. That's because a gambler can't make money playing Pharaoh unless he cheats. The house edge is razor thin, and the game depends so much on chance that skill, honestly applied, isn't very helpful. Gamblers today solve these problems by not playing Pharaoh. Gamblers back then couldn't do that because it was what people wanted to play, so they solved it by cheating. And if they didn't cheat, they quickly went broke. By the turn of the century, cheating at Pharaoh was so widespread that Hoyle's rulebook actually included the startling warning that all Pharaoh games were crooked. Period. Well, all gambling establishments offered Pharaoh games, at least in 1850s Portland they did, so when, a year or two later, Lapius came to Portland and built the Orofino Saloon and Hall, there couldn't have been too much doubt over what side of the law he belonged on. But then, in 1859, the old blackleg hound started a law enforcement career. He was hired as the city marshal. Almost immediately, Marshal Lapius got himself into trouble. When he got the job, there was a famous fugitive loose in the area, Dan Ford Balch, a homesteader who had reacted to news of his daughter's elopement by taking a shotgun and emptying both barrels into his new son-in-law. When Lapius took the job, Balch had just escaped from the city jail where he'd been held awaiting his murder trial. Lapius tracked Balch down and brought him back, and he was promptly tried, convicted, and sentenced to hang. Then after the trial, Lapius apparently made the soon-to-be widow a proposition cross my palm with a thousand dollars and I'll accidentally leave the jailhouse door unlocked one of these nights. This offer can't be proven to have been made, but the widow's subsequent fundraising frenzy can, and a number of citizens swore out affidavits accusing Lapius of making this offer. But ultimately it fell short of its goal and Balch was hanged, the first public execution in Portland history. In spite of the rumors of this attempt, when the Oregon legislature seized control of Portland police matters in 1870 to prevent a political rival from gaining control, it picked Lapius as police chief. Most sources say he was the first chief. The police department's official history disagrees, or at least it used to, saying that the man who designed the department, Joseph Saunders, was chief for two weeks before the state seized power. Now, this may be true, but it's easy to see why PPD wants to think so. Saunders was a good cop and had earned the right to be the city's first chief. Lapius, on the other hand, was not, and had not. In power as chief, Lapius was able to make some extra money by taking care of his friends. Chambro wrote about how he'd work with Lapius to make sure any suckers fleeced at his saloon didn't get anywhere when they complained to the cops. Lapius also, on several occasions, arrested temperance workers for, quote, disturbing the peace by singing and praying on public sidewalks outside other saloon keepers' establishments. It was a nice, cozy time for Portland gamblers and grog shop operators. Not that everything was always smooth. Lapius was removed from office for cause in 1877 and replaced with a former city councilor named Luzerne Besser. Remember that name but he was back in office again two years later. In 1883, though, Lapius's law enforcement career ended for good, and on a very ironic note at that. Newly elected Mayor James Chapman suddenly and unexpectedly brought the Danford Balch case up again and used it as a pretext to fire Lapius. A few weeks later, he confessed that he had done this because ex-chief Luzerne Besser had bribed him to. Lapius apparently took the hint, though and disappeared from city politics for good after that. 
Key sources in this story have included works by Jewel Lansing and Timothy Lee Weirkamp. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love, which is in turn a division of Pulplet Productions, a boutique publishing house that specializes in audiobook and regular book editions of stories from the classic pulp fiction era. Robert E. Howard, Algernon Blackwood, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and so on. More info can be found at pulp-lit.com. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license, type CC by SA International 4.0. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Got an idea for a show I should do, or just want to say hi, or maybe you're going to be in Corvallis sometime soon with time for a cup of coffee or a pint of Hammerhead? Drop me a line at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Fresh episodes of Offbeat Oregon History come your way at around 6 a.m. every weekday morning. So if you're looking for the next one, you haven't long to wait. Till then, go fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.